Good evening, everyone. We're going to talk a little bit about the coronation. And the title of the message is, Why Should We Honour the King? Why Should We Honour the King? And the passage of scripture that Pastor read out this morning, uh, when he discussed this, was 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 17. And of course, the, uh, the full verse is honour all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honour the king. So let's open in a word of prayer and then we'll jump into tonight's study. Heavenly Father, we thank you for time around your word. We thank you that there's that hope that we have within us that it won't be too long before you'll return and we will find ourselves over in the glory land. So we rejoice in that. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would lead and guide throughout this study time tonight, that your name is lifted up and glorified as the King of kings and Lord of lords. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's official now that Australia's King Charles III has been crowned in London. Yes, King Charles is the King of Australia. The fact is that the British monarch is separately, individually, monarch of the remaining Commonwealth realms. So when he goes to Canada, he's the King of Canada. And when he comes to Australia, he's the King of Australia. And those are separate relationships. There's 54 nations in the Commonwealth. And we are to honour the King. Yes, King Charles III. In fact, God commands us to do so. And our ultimate authority is God. Amen. Now, some of you may say, but you're asking me to honour King Charles. He used to be Prince Charles. We were okay with Queen Elizabeth II. She gave evidence of true faith in God. But we're not so sure about King Charles and his faith. Granted, there were notable differences between the coronations of Queen Elizabeth II and King Charles III. For instance, Queen Elizabeth II, when she stood before the people, she unashamedly said, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Ghost of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of the Father. This is Queen Elizabeth. And he shall come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead whose kingdom shall have no end. And she ended it with, And I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. So that's a bit of a shift from what King Charles said. You won't find that kind of testimony in his oaths or pledges. Defender of the faiths rather than a defender of faith. But before you write him off, we as Bible-believing Christians need to think about all of this in the context of 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 17. It's honour the king. 
And having already written that we should honour all people, Peter, who wrote 1 Peter, knew some of the brethren would resist honouring the king of his day. Now think about it. Who was the king when Peter was writing? It was the Roman emperor Nero. Not exactly a benevolent king. He was a madman who was eventually hated by the Romans themselves. He mercilessly tortured and killed hundreds of Christians in various cruel and demeaning ways. It's very difficult to expect that Nero would be honoured by anyone. But Nero was the king of that day. And as we consider what the Bible says as to why we should honour our new king, we should notice a few things. First of all, we should notice that a king is to be honoured because he represents the office given to him by God. He represents the office. In Romans chapter 13 and verse 1, the Bible says, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. At last night's coronation ceremony, King Charles III was asked to swear vows not to his country or even his subjects, but to God. Whether the king is honourable or not, he is king. And God says that we should honour him because he holds that office. And I thought about where there was an example of that, and it's, it's David in the king's palace. In 1 Samuel chapter 18, let's go there, 1 Samuel chapter 18. 1 Samuel chapter 18. Notice verse 2. 1 Samuel chapter 18 and verse 2. And Saul took him that day and would let him go no more home to his father's house. This is David. And then down to verse 5. And David went out whithersoever Saul sent him and behaved himself wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. He was obedient to the king. Now, it couldn't have been easy for David to serve King Saul with any measure of loyalty, but 1 Peter 2.18 reads, Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. And David was humble and respectful in the presence of the king. He answered him humbly, though forcibly. He calls himself a servant of the king and owns the fact that he's only a shepherd who had no sheep of his own, but served under his father. He was tactful. He didn't wish to infer that the king was afraid of Goliath, so he said, let no man's heart fail because of him. He behaved himself wisely. And this phrase is repeated four times in 1 Samuel chapter 18. He behaved himself wisely. It's because God wants us to behave ourselves wisely when we come across people who deserve our respect and loyalty. And as a result of that, all Judah and Israel loved David. He walked wisely before God. And God's people are to be humble, peaceable, well-ordered, law-abiding citizens. They're not to be rebels. Even when we are forced, for conscience' sake, to obey God rather than man, and we know there are times when we have to do that, but God's people are not to be rebels, but law-keepers. They're people who are under authority. They model it. Excuse me. David's name was so highly regarded by the people, his life was the perfect rebuke to the inconsistencies of the king. 
the Lord was with him in verse 14 if you look at 1 Samuel 18 verse 14 David behaved himself wisely in all his ways and the Lord was with him God sees all and notices every last detail he is not to be mocked or taken lightly now one of my criticisms of the coronation coverage last night was the lack of information provided for the common person they had commentators but most cases they talked about what they were wearing and who it was more so than what was actually going on and a lot it meant that a lot of the detail involved in the ceremony went unnoticed so that's why we've got a little slideshow here tonight some of the items used during the coronation and their meanings so let's see if I can get this w working I just need to switch that button on there is that right and it goes up so slide one concerns the consecrating oil wait till we just turn this light off so the consecrating oil used to anoint King Charles came from Jerusalem in fact the oil was created using olives harvested from the Mount of Olives the olives were pressed just outside Bethlehem now you could have gotten it from anywhere right the coronation also honored the previous Queen I think that's a Bible principle give honor where honor is due the Bible given to the king was a replica of the original 1611 King James Bible one of the many oaths that King Charles took with his hands on that Bible is will you to the utmost of your power maintain the laws of God and the true profession of the gospel to which he replied all this I will do pretty fair oath that amazing anointing screen which covered King Charles was also highly symbolic the whole anointing process is regarded as a sacred moment between the King and God the screen providing the sanctity of the moment St Edward's crown was used to crown the King this particular crown is topped with an orb and a cross symbolizing the Christian world then you had the orb which was a representation of the king's power and also symbolizes the Christian world the orb was made from gold in the 17th century and is divided into three sections for the three continents known at that time and what about the king's scepters the scepter with the cross represents the king's temporal power and is associated with good governance the scepter with the dove traditionally known as the rod of equity and mercy represents the king's spiritual role with the dove with outspread wings representing the Holy Ghost and there were two swords there was one poor woman had to carry this sword for most of the, the evening I think she was a, a politician um, that they gave her that job uh, let's see the sword of spiritual justice signifying the monarch as defender of the faith and sword of mercy which has a blunted tip symbolizing the king's mercy even the music for the coronation service beautiful music couldn't understand a word of it but beautiful music because <laughs> it was all in Latin right but if you had if you had the uh, order of service downloaded on your app then you could actually understand the music but it was all godly music 
and they had new, a new hymn created by Sir Andrew Lloyd Webber and he was uh, ecstatic that he had the opportunity but he took it from Psalm 98 took the words from Psalm 98 and uh, I invite you to have a read of it at some point but it reads in part the Lord hath made known his salvation make a joyful noise before the Lord the King Amen the coronation is witness to the example of Christ our servant King he was anointed for his public ministry in Luke chapter 4 and verse 18 it reads the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty them that are bruised it's also prophetic of Christ whose full kingship is yet to be seen amidst all the uh, the pomp and the ceremony and the attempts to please all faiths the true and living God could not be ignored in a nation where the fastest growing religion is no religion the people of the UK and around the world those who watched it were confronted with the reality that their ruler was giving honor to God his son Jesus Christ the Holy Spirit with the king's hands placed firmly on a King James Bible now brought one in here it is, the 1611 edition. This was the one we got at the 400th anniversary. If anyone wants to have a look at it later, you can read the, um, the actual King James from 1611. The guy who put it together for the king said that's what he wanted to do. I wanted to go back to 1611. I wanted to get as close as possible to it. Now, the newspapers, all they picked up on was the fact that the 1611 Bible had 350 spelling mistakes in it. Great we knew that and of course we knew that they were rectified later but the original the original and in inside it says to the most high and mighty prince james by the grace of god king of britain defender of the faith the translators of the bible provided for christ the lord so you can have a little look of it later on if you want but that's the bible that they gave to King Charles last night. There were three copies made. One will go to the archives and King James uh, and one will go to a museum as well. But people saw that. People watching the ceremony, whether they were saved or unsaved, they got to see that. They got to see that God was on it. And my prayer out of the coronation is that someone who watched that will start to ask questions. Now, before I was saved, I had to start asking questions. And I had a lot of questions as to what this was about. But I had to start the process somewhere. And I'm hoping that somebody watching that last night starts the process and asks, who is this God? Because he sees all and he deserves honour. Now, secondly, a king is to be honoured because he has power to make changes. He has power to make changes. Now, there he is. That's an official portrait of him. And that we'll look at slide 12 and that will bring things back to normal. King Charles III has the new title of Supreme Governor of the Church of England and Defender of, now it's supposed to be Defender of the Faith. However, he's made it clear he wants to be a servant to all faiths. Well, no easy task. He says his faith is deeply rooted in the Protestant Church of England. In that faith and the value it inspires, this is his quote, I have been brought up to cherish a sense of duty to others 
and to hold in the greatest respect the precious traditions, freedoms and responsibilities of our unique history and our system of parliamentary government. As the Queen herself did with such unswerving devotion, I too now solemnly pledge myself throughout the remaining time God grants me to uphold the constitutional principles at the heart of our nation. That's pretty impressive stuff. Now, there's, if we are resisting the power that the king has, we are resisting God's ordinance and its power, and that's a dangerous thing. A sharp warning appears in Romans 13 and verse 2. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. Paul even calls these the civil authorities, ministers or servants of God in Romans 13 and verse 4. They are to be treated as such, even though most of them do not personally know God and are not consciously serving God. We are to submit unto the higher powers as unto God. In our day, we see leadership dishonoured everywhere. Who would want to be the Prime Minister of Australia? Fair dinkum. If Peter were writing today, he would say, honour the Prime Minister. And as poorly as our Prime Minister has conducted his personal life, it still pales into insignificance beside that of Nero, many of whose actions are unprintable. Regardless, Christians of that day were still expected to honour him. Now that would have been a tough order. Many of the early Christians no doubt despised Nero's reckless, godless behaviour. Some had personal reasons to hate him. He had most likely ordered the execution of their loved ones. Romans 13 verse 7 says, Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honour to whom honour. To fear the authority is to fear the power that the authority has for the exercise of his authority. And it's obvious that fear is not a wrong motive in such things. It's a fear, it's a reverence, a proper fear of God and king keeps us from being given to change, Proverbs 24, 21, or being given over to disobedience and rebellion. In this day of people's rights, God's people must be careful to follow God's word rather than the mood of the times. We are to have the attitude of meekness and fear, which is despised by the spirit of these times, but is valued by God. In 1 Peter chapter 2, 13 to 14, he had plenty to say about this. The apostle wrote, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme, or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. Because the king has great power to make changes that impact our lives for either good or evil. So before you write off the commonwealth, it's good to know that of the top 20 economic powers in the world today, 10 are Commonwealth countries. The Commonwealth of Nations is built on Christian principles and they have a combined wealth of more than $13.1 US trillion. So they're not doing too badly when you think about that. Now, instead of dishonouring the new king and belittling his power, we must exercise care and be spirit-filled in our actions. In Matthew 5 and verse 44, the Bible teaches, But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. 
practically in Sydney, Australia today, we need to be in prayer for our leaders, especially our Prime Minister who was there at Westminster Abbey and saw and heard all of this firsthand. Now what effect did that have on him? And the Apostle Paul reminded his disciple of this in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verses 1 through to 4. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verses 1 to 4. The Apostle Paul says to Timothy, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Saviour who will have all men to be saved and to come under the knowledge of the truth. So there it is. We need to pray for their salvation. Pray that they will come to the knowledge of the truth and make wise choices. Pray that they will maintain our freedoms so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty as the Bible teaches. King Charles will make changes in the UK and the Commonwealth. In fact, he already has. But remember now, he's the king of Australia. So be in prayer for him and thereby honour God. Thirdly, we need to honour the king because God is in control. In Daniel chapter 2 and verse 21, the Bible says, And he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. And when you think about Daniel's situation, he was captive in wicked Babylon when the arrogant, cruel Nebuchadnezzar was on the throne, yet he had to serve his king. But also he knew that God sits on the throne, the only throne that really matters, and Nebuchadnezzar ruled at God's pleasure. In Proverbs 21.1, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. God is the author of all power and authority. For the child of God who truly believes this and lives according to it, there's peace in the storms of life. What we've been talking about in our life stages classes, peace in the storm of life. And as we face daily life and wrestle with what looks like diabolical world events, the person who believes that God is in control doesn't fear as the world fears. They're not troubled as the world is troubled. They don't act as the world acts. They know the times are in God's hand and their time is in God's hand and they are safe in God's hand. Honour the king, especially the king of kings, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I love the start of that coronation service when the young boy, uh, Samuel Strawn, his name was, no one knew who it was, but Samuel Strawn was his name, child of his majesty's chapel royal, in case people wanted to know where he came from, just appeared and he addressed King Charles and he said, Your Majesty, as children of the Kingdom of God, we welcome you in the name of the King of Kings. So he knew his place, and the king replied, In his name and after his example, I come not to be served, but to serve. Noble words. God is in control, and he's coming again. There will be a day, and it will be soon, when he will rule and reign himself. In the meantime, we need to make sure that we are saved 
and that we are faithfully serving him. It's just that simple. Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal saviour? Have you asked the Lord Jesus to forgive you for your sins and by faith asked him to be your saviour? If not, pray and receive the Lord Jesus as your saviour today. Consider how God closes the Bible. The Holy King James Bible, the one that King, Ch King Charles received, King James Bible, during his coronation last night, in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 20. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. The last promise in the Bible is that Jesus Christ is coming again. Are you ready? And lastly, we need to honour the king because God commands it. God commands it. When we obey God's command to honour all people, we are following our heavenly king and honouring him. And then what happens? Well, what happens? Jesus answers in John 12, 26, If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serves me, him my father will honour. King Giles recognised that. And it's just the same because it applies to us. We must humble ourselves first, then give honour and respect even to those who might appear unworthy of it. And the result is that God will personally bestow honour and glory on those who have obeyed this and other commands. As God's people, we understand the principle, the more we give, the more we receive. So it stands to reason the more honour we give, the more honour we will receive. Honour the Lord, that's a basic principle. And as Christians, we are meant to honour the government of the day and our employers. Churches are to honour their leaders. Church members are to honour one another. The Bible teaches that churches are to honour their widows. In our homes, husbands are to honour their wives. Wives are to honour their husbands. Husbands and wives are to honour their marital vows and children are to honour their parents. In every relationship and in every aspect of life, honour is essential. And we all know the phrase, trust and obey. Obedience refers to listening and instruction, but honour refers to valuing or revering someone. And if we have problems in these areas, then it may stem back to problems with authority in general. Think about it. Those who would rather do away with the king and appoint a president to rule in Australia. How long would it take for us to dishonour a president? Not long, I reckon. That's because honouring something or someone doesn't come natural to the flesh. Have you noticed how people treat their environment, how they treat their homes, their suburbs, their schools? It's a good sign of whether they respect and honour their surroundings. If they live in a clean suburb, they live in a clean house, they have a clean bedroom. But it must be taught. In Singapore, they had to put it into law. You know, it's against the law and fines apply if you do not return your tray and clean up your table if you're having a meal at a food court in Singapore. Can you imagine that happening here? The guy follows you around. Every one of us who are in authority are under authority. Sorry, Mr Prime Minister, it's not just protocol to honour the king. And as we model honour and respect for authority... What we're doing is we are teaching the next generation the value of respect and how to give honour to others. 
so that we don't have, as Pastor mentioned this morning, ratbag kids running around the place. And as the leadership in our nation becomes increasingly defiant of God and hostile towards truth, it will be a challenge for us to honour them. But as we've seen tonight, we do it, number one, because the office is given to him by God. The king has the power to make changes for good or evil because we understand that God is in control and simply because God commands it. He said it, therefore it should be done. So let me ask you tonight, who are you honouring tonight? Who are you dishonouring? Think about it. We go back to daily life tomorrow. Our feet land on the floor. How's the boss? Honouring? Dishonouring? What about the people around you tomorrow? How are you going to serve them? Charles is big about serving. I'm going to serve everyone. Wow. He looked tired at the service. He's going to be very tired if he's going to try and serve everyone. How are you doing in this area of service? And let's not be people with authority issues. Let's not be like the the young boy who went to his youth pastor and he said, I've had it with my parents. I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave home. And the youth pastor said, where are you going to go? He said, I'm going to join the army. (laughs) He had authority issues. He's not going to go very far there. So let's let's be people who honour one another and honour others. And let's pray.